Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas. This is Kathy, and I'm Karen. In today's episode, we will be discussing episode fifty-two and fifty-three of Empresses in the Palace, or Hou Gong Zhen Huan Zhuan. There's some heartbreak, some scheming, but also just a lot of eye rolls in these two episodes for us to discuss. If you are new to the podcast, please start with our intro to the drama and intro to the podcast episodes to see what we're talking about. All right, team. We are slogging through these series of episodes where Jin Huan is technically a nun at Ganlu Si or Ganlu Temple, but isn't because she goes and gets married instead. <laughs> what happens here? This first segment, let's let's get over with. Karen, take it away. It has been fifty-two episodes, and this person who is not very intelligent finally has her comeuppance. In the last few episodes, we were introduced to the beautiful but cold Ye Lan Yi. She was a horse tamer maid in the Summer Palace, but captured the attention of the emperor and was swiftly made into a concubine. While the emperor is very happy with this new fling, our new concubine is not happy at all. She is in love with the seventeenth prince. She could not care less about the emperor. The other ladies in the imperial harem are unsurprisingly jealous and envious. This woman may be beautiful and intriguing to the emperor, but to the other women in the harem, this woman's birth station is way too low. She's also rude and unwavering in her disrespect towards the empress and the other ladies. In my eyes, though, she's pretty cool. She doesn't care about riches or fame or the emperor's attention. She had so much more freedom in her low station as a horse tamer, but now she's in a cage. The empress, in particular. Cannot have this woman around, so she, in her manipulative ways, comes up with a very simple plan to get rid of the harem of two threats simultaneously. The empress controls the harem with a with an iron fist. Her primary motivation is to not allow women in the harem to have children. With all the attention this new concubine is receiving, she, this new concubine, is bound to get pregnant. Though the empress does not know that this new concubine Ye Langyi has been taking her own birth control to prevent this from happening, because the empress doesn't know this, she needs to stop or prevent Ye Langyi from getting pregnant. The other issue that the empress has at the moment is the annoying Qi Fei. She's the birth mother of the third prince, but is not very bright. In the last episode, Tifei revealed to her son how she cannot wait for him to become emperor so she can become Taihou or Empress Dowager. This was overheard by the empress's maid and deeply irked the empress, who wanted to be the sole Empress Dowager. Therefore, the empress decides that she must get rid of this Tifei as well. We'll talk about this distinction at the end of the episode and why this is so important for the empress. So, the empress, in her own way, devises a plan. She has Tifei over for a chat, and they casually discuss how difficult it will be to control the new concubine once she becomes pregnant. The empress is incredibly sly, 
She does not outright say anything about how to proceed and leaves that up to Qi Fei. The Empress only heavily hints that preventing the new concubine from ever becoming pregnant will solve a lot of headaches in the future. Qi Fei gets the hint and takes it upon herself to sabotage Ye Lan Yi, the new concubine. What does she do? I am going to be kind of like smirking the entire time because this is so stupid. Or face palming. I think yeah. you really can say just face palm the entire time. Qi Fei's grand plan is to have her own maid present Ye Lan Yi with a bowl of red date soup. The thing is, the maid openly states that this soup is from Qi Fei. Ye Lan Yi could tell immediately there's something off about the soup. Her cat smelled something. Like the cat just jumped off of the table and ran away. So, I mean, it's pretty obvious that something is wrong with the soup. But Ye Lan Yi, hating her life in the harem, drinks the soup anyways. She's pretty much like, whatever. If I die, I die. This place sucks anyways. Lo and behold, the result is that she has very heavy stomach pains. The imperial doctors report to the emperor that she is now sterile. This, understandably, greatly angers the emperor, who wants to find the culprit. Which is not hard to deduce. Qi Fei's maid openly said the bowl of soup was from Qi Fei. Qi Fei is screwed. And when Qi Fei goes crying for help from the empress, the Empress immediately backstabs Tifei by pretending to never have told Tifei to hurt anyone. Tifei is shocked by this betrayal, but are we? Is anyone? The Empress does say the key line here. Tifei enacted plans that made it incredibly obvious that she was the one who did it. She didn't hide it or try to find a scapegoat. She openly let everyone know that the soup was from her. With this type of idiocy, only a fool would step in to protect Tifei because it would, be, it would be obvious that they were on the same side. People would trace this back to the Empress, which the Empress does not want. This is also the exact same thing of how Tifei got into her current position anyways, of how she lost her son. Remember, she tried to kill or tried to poison Jin Huan, but they all found out that it was Tifei. Like, did you not learn your lesson? <laughs> Honestly, I have no idea how Tifei was able to give birth to the third prince in the first place with someone as devious and cruel as Huang Ho, the empress around. The other question is, how did she manage to survive in the harem this long? I guess Huang Ho, or the empress, felt that Tifei was too dumb to pose a threat and she was easy to order around for certain tasks. Huang Ho did mention that Tifei had a powerful father who has since fallen from grace, which leads me to believe that there was some type of consideration back when Tifei was pregnant, but has since disappeared. Unfortunately for Tifei, the only solution to solve this whole problem is to commit suicide. She is definitely guilty, so it was to wait for the emperor to punish her or for her to resolve this herself. In order to prevent her son from being implicated, she decides to hang herself. This technically is a big no-no. You're not supposed to commit suicide when guilty because this could implicate your entire family. But since the family here is the third prince, she decided to go this route. 
When her body is discovered the next day, the Empress puts on a great show. She is crying in front of the Emperor and saying that Tifei just made a mistake. The Emperor feels nothing but disgust for this woman Tifei. He does mention that the third prince needs someone to look after him. The Empress seizes her chance. This is the masterful Empress doing what she does best. She is crying her eyes out and interjects the Emperor when he's talking about guardianship. She mentions that she's been raising the third prince for a while now and that she views all children in the harem as though they were her own. The Emperor is like, that's right. You have looked after the third prince. You'll have permanent guardianship of him now. And with that, the Empress's grand plans have succeeded. She, one, got rid of a potential threat in the form of the new concubine, Ye Lanyi. Two, she eliminated Tifei so she doesn't have someone to fight her for power when she becomes Empress Dowager. And three, has primary guardianship of the third prince, which ensures that she will have power as Empress Dowager. This was a win-win-win situation for her. It honestly could not have gone more smoothly. The Empress needed someone as idiotic as Tifei to do her bidding, and luckily, Tifei did exactly what Huang He, the Empress, wanted. While the Empress may have fooled the Emperor, the Empress Dowager Tai Ho is not so easily fooled. On her sickbed, the Empress Dowager asks the Empress to chat and they have a rather frank discussion about all of the terrible things the Empress has done. The Empress Huang Ho refutes most of the criticism from the Empress Dowager by hiding behind the shield that all she has done was for their clan's glory. The Empress keeps bringing up the fact that the Empress Dowager and she are from related Venturian clans. In order to maintain the glory and power that comes from being Empress and Empress Dowager for their clan, the Empress Dowager cannot raise any of these issues to the Emperor, even if she knows that the Empress has done terrible things. Otherwise, once the Empress's deeds are brought to light, their entire clans would be punished. Everything they fought for would be jeopardized. The Empress Dowager says she has already been very patient. The other things she doesn't care about, which probably means killing concubines. But killing her grandchildren, that she cannot allow. The Empress Dowager tries to push the Empress to stop her horrible ways, but the Empress is relishing in her own power in the Imperial Harem and does not back down. Remember, before she had Hua Fei to contend with, now there's no one, so she just wants to do whatever she wants to do. Before the Empress leaves, she actually threatens the Empress Dowager with this line. Mother, you need to take care of yourself. You've been bedridden for a while. You wouldn't want the Emperor to think that you are still distraught over the death of Long Kodo. The Empress Dowager sighs. She acknowledges the Empress's power in the Imperial Harem. The Empress Dowager is frustrated that there is no one in the Imperial Harem who is able to counteract the Empress. There needs to be balance. This balance and the Empress's threats to the Empress Dowager heavily influence her decisions in later episodes. There is an interesting line here that will come to light later. 
which is that the Empress Dowager knows how the previous Empress Chun Yuan died. The Empress Dowager heavily hints that our current Empress was involved somehow. What do you think could have happened? We will find out more in the future. And with that, like I said, the Empress is currently the winner in the Imperial Harem. Now let's turn to the main storyline in episodes 52 and 53. Our main character, Jin Huan, and the wonderful 17th Prince are finally together and madly in love. They have already consummated their marriage, and at the end of episode 51, we found out that Jin Huan is pregnant with the 17th Prince's child. This was a pleasant surprise because he had just left for a trip by orders of the Emperor. Their plan was to elope once he returns. The 17th Prince promised to return within 40 days, but it's already been 50 days with no sign or word from him. Jin Huan is getting worried. The loyal doctor, Wen Shichu, arrives to check in on Jin Huan, but she's not doing too well as she's worried about him, the 17th Prince. Unfortunately, the doctor, Wen Shichu, doesn't bring any good news. Word has reached Beijing that the 17th Prince perished during his journey to Yunnan. His boat sank in the Yellow River. No corpse has been found. No! Why did this have to happen? Just as the two lovebirds were planning their happily ever after, Jin Huan, upon hearing this news, starts choking up blood. She demands more information. How can the 17th prince just die? The doctor, Wen Shichu, agrees that this incident wasn't normal. The boat that the 17th prince was on wasn't held together by nails and steel, but instead just glue and ropes. When the boat started sailing, the glue and ropes broke apart, leading to those on the boat to drown. This isn't normal as the boat was government-sanctioned. Something happened when the boat was docked that led to the bottom of the boat being swapped, resulting in the death of the 17th prince. Jin Huan is devastated. She curls up in a ball crying, lamenting the loss of her true love. For the doctor, though, there's no time to lose. Jin Huan is pregnant. Her husband just died. They need to decide ASAP on the next steps. He offers to continue with the original plan, fake Jin Huan's death, and he will smuggle her away, live together, and raise her child as his own. That's so nice of him. This is a sad scene right now, but when I watch it, I'm going to be honest, I start chuckling. On one hand, I feel like when she true with this doctor is, is internally saying, yes, finally, this is my chance to be with Jin Huan. While Huan Bi, Jin Huan's half-sister and maid, also starts bawling when she hears the news of the 17th prince's death. She shuts the doctor down, claiming, how can you compare yourself to the 17th prince? Ouch. Harsh. Yes, we know he's dead. Yes, I get that you're also in love with the 17th Prince, but there's no need to put down the kind doctor. My real question though is, if this is supposed to be a secret, a palace secret, how did the doctor know all of these details and just so happen to be able to tell Jin Huan? Like, where in the scheme of information flow does he fit in and hear all this info? 
I know this is really sad, but I am also just going to be like, all right, let's keep going. All right? We still have 20 more episodes of this drama. Like, let's keep going. Jin Hwan, we can't, we can't wait for you to keep crying about the 17th Prince. It was too good to be true from the beginning. After some scenes of Jin Hwan reminiscing about her time with the 17th Prince and mourning his death, Jin Hwan has to make a decision. She has to decide to either abort the child or keep it. This is a decision she does not make lately. As a single mother, how would she take care of the child? She has the option of being with the doctor, Wen Shu Chu. She'd be safe with the guy, but she doesn't want to be with him. Once again, poor dude. <laughs> she once again turns him down. Why does she turn him down? Well, for one, she doesn't have affections for him. And because she also has three other considerations. Number one, her father is sick in Ningguta, where they have been exiled, and needs immediate medical attention. If you recall, the family was exiled to Ningguta for saying disrespectful things to the emperor. It's a cold and harsh place to live in northern China, and there probably aren't a lot of good doctors around. Jin Huan needs to get her father back to the city for treatment. Number two, she needs to investigate the 17th prince's death. From everything she's heard, it seems that his death was very suspicious. She needs to be in a position to investigate his death and avenge it if necessary. And lastly, she wants her child to have a title. She does not want the 17th prince's line to end because of her and her child to be seen as a bastard. As she is discussing these considerations with her maids, Huan Bi and Jing Xi, they surmise that there is only one person who is able to help Jin Huan. Can you guess who it is? That's right, the Emperor Huang Shang. Let's pause here for me to uh, react in as many ew, ugh, eye roll, icky uh, emotions as possible. This is icky and it certainly is, but in her mind, she doesn't have much of a choice. Jin Huan has to return to the palace as a concubine, one with the ear of the emperor in order to achieve the things she needs to get done. The problem also is that they are on a ticking clock because Jin Huan is pregnant. The only way for this plan to work is to get the emperor to come visit her and make him think that the child is his. As Jin Huan and Jin Xi are discussing how this plan will work, Jin Xi comes up with an idea to get close to the emperor through his main eunuch, Su Peisheng. Su Peisheng has been seen throughout the drama and is a very powerful guy as he has the ability to sway the emperor. Jin Xi, who is Jin Huan's main maid, mentions that the way to convince Su Peisheng to arrange a meeting between Jin Huan and the emperor is to offer herself Jin Xi. Su Peisheng has everything he could ever want in life except a partner. As a eunuch, he cannot marry or have children for obvious reasons. The thing he craves most is to have a family or partner. 
Jin Xi is willing to be that partner since the two of them are from the same hometown and he has always expressed an interest in her. If you rewatch the drama, there are many scenes where he is looking out for her and she is looking out for him. The ever loyal Jin Xi is making a big sacrifice for Jin Huan. Jin Huan recognizes as much, but Jin Xi is adamant. She heads off over to meet Su Peisheng in order to help Jin Huan meet the emperor. Once she meets Su Peisheng, Jin Xi offers up a sob story that Jin Huan is very lonely and that she doesn't want her master to be by herself. It would be wonderful for her to return to the palace. But the emperor and Jin Huan back together, she and Su Peisheng can be together as well. These words work like a charm. Also, when does he have time to have his own separate house? Like, I always thought he was just with the emperor 24-7. The fact that his, his own place was like, whoa, you have Very a lot. convenient. Yeah, you have a lot of money, dude. <laughs> yes, I'm sure the emperor's main eunuch has a lot of money. But again, this is very convenient that Jin Xi just so happens to know where his private estates are and that when she goes to visit, he is, just so happens to be there. A few days later, Su Peisheng comes to meet Jin Huan at her residence in the mountains and says he will work on arranging a meeting with the emperor. Classic, well, not really. Part of the reason Su Peisheng is willing to help Jin Huan is that Jin Huan was always kind to him. She was never rude to him or demeaning, even though he was a eunuch. Life lesson for everyone here, be kind to everyone, not just because of someone's birth status or current situation. Unless they totally backstab you, like Ai Lingyong, don't, don't bother with her. <laughs> After some artful convincing by Su Peisheng, the emperor decides to go to Ganlusi, the temple where Jin Huan is now a nun, during a festival in February. Once there, the emperor asks after Jin Huan and how she's doing. After hearing that she's been sick, he hurriedly heads up to the mountain peak where she was first banished and then stayed. He's like huffing and puffing, walking up the steps. It's quite funny. When he opens the door to the rooms, he sees a frail and sickly Jin Huan praying. Her current situation tugs at his heartstrings. He is overwhelmed with emotion at seeing Jin Huan. She plays up how sad, destitute, and lonely she's been, though in an artful way. She mentions that she missed the emperor and their daughter ever since she's left. She uses her special term for the emperor, Silang, when addressing him to evoke these nostalgic feelings. Her tears, apologetic tone, her weakened state, and her simple clothing are all enough to seduce the emperor. Everyone else retreats to give the two some privacy. The episode ends with the emperor making the decision that he wants to spend more time with Jin Huan. On Jin Huan's end, she's like, yes, I've succeeded. Them spending time together guarantees that her child will now have a father. Let me just pause here for a second and note that I definitely feel icky about this whole thing. Jin Huan this time does not have any emotion left for the emperor. That I want to make clear. She's pretty much using her beauty and body to ensure she gets what she wants. She is using his feelings for her to get power and recognition. 
Zhen Huan tells Jin Xi that the emperor hurt her too fully and that she cannot truly go back to him. And yes, the emperor is no way comparable to the 17th prince who is better than him in by pretty much every aspect other than being emperor. On the flip side though, I will note that the emperor seems to really have missed Jin Huan. He's eager to have her back. Unfortunately, the boat has sailed from Jin Huan's perspective. If only the emperor had recognized this earlier and valued Jin Huan instead of treating her like a shadow of his first wife, things may be different right now. Well, that's it for the recap. Ah, uh, like I said, don't really like this drama, how it turned out. I feel really gross and icky. Don't know what you guys think. That's how I feel. Let's do some analysis for some interesting topics in these two episodes. Kathy, take it away. Let's talk about Tai Ho, or the Empress Dowager. Why does the Empress Huang Ho take such swift action against Qi Fei after so many years? The Empress reveals her reason why during her conversation with the Empress Dowager. She, the Empress, Huang Ho, will become Mu Ho Huang Tai Ho, but she cannot let anyone be Sheng Mu Huang Tai Ho. So what's the difference? Mu Ho Huang Tai Ho is the title reserved for the current Empress. When her husband dies, she will become Mu Ho Huang Tai Ho, even if her son does not claim the throne. Sheng Mu Huang Tai Ho is the title reserved for the birth mother of the emperor. The most famous example of two empress dowagers is from the Qing dynasty with Empress Dowager Cixi and Empress Dowager Cixan. Empress Dowager Cixi or Cixi Tai Ho is the more famous of the two, but she was a Shengmu Huang Tai Ho. She gave birth to the future emperor Tongzhi, but was only a consort. The other Empress Dowager Cixan was Huang Ho or Empress during the reign of Xianfeng. After his death, she became Mu Ho Huang Tai Ho. Typically, when we think of Empress Dowager or Tai Ho, we usually assume of just one woman, or at least I thought so uh, before learning more about this, but this is not the case. The first instance of two Empress Dowagers in Imperial China actually originated from the Ming Dynasty under Emperor Zhu Qiyu or Jing Taidi. In Imperial China, Despite emperors having many concubines, etc., the title of Empress, or Huang Hao, was extremely important. She was the official wife of the emperor and held more power in the imperial harem. She was the only person whom children of the emperor could call mother. Birth mothers were referred to as aunties. Usually, regardless of who ascends the throne, the empress of the previous emperor will hold the title of Empress Dowager, or Tai Ho. If the birth mother of the new emperor is not the empress, the woman will simply be granted a title of Dowager Consort, or Tai Fei. So in that vein, typically, Mu Ho Huang Tai Ho holds more clout and power because she was the empress. But that is not always the case. In this drama, our empress, Yi Xiu, or Huang Hou, is rightly worried 
that if the third prince ascends the throne, she will have to contend with his birth mother, Cifei, for power. She'd rather deal with the threat now, when Cifei is just a consort. It would be much harder to kill her once she also becomes Empress Dowager. Our current Empress Dowager, our current Taiho, is a Shengmu Huang Taiho, because she is the birth mother of the Emperor. She is lucky. She doesn't have to compete with another Empress Dowager. All of Emperor Kangxi's empresses passed before he did. So to recap, currently we have only one Empress Dowager, and she is a Shengmu Huang Taiho. But in the Qing Dynasty, you can have two Empress Dowagers: a Mu Hou Huang Taiho, or a Shengmu Huang Taiho. Next, in episode fifty-three, one person is crucial for Jin Huan's chances to regain favor. That person is the eunuch Su Peisheng. It would take a lot to persuade him, but Jin Xi has the one proposal that will sway him. Well, what is that proposal? The phrase used in the drama is called Dui Shi. The literal translation of Dui Shi is eating opposite of one another. The original meaning of Dui Shi actually refers to same-sex relationships between palace maids. Palace maids had little to no opportunities for sexual interaction with men because the only male in the imperial palace was the emperor. So these women turned to each other for comfort. The first record of this phrase is found in Han Shu or the Book of Han. Over the years, the phrase Dui Shi changed its meaning to include relationships between eunuchs and palace maids. Dui Shi typically refers to a short relationship between a maid and a eunuch. Once a maid and a eunuch establish a long-term relationship, they are known as a cai hu. The couple behaves like a married couple, but are not legally married. Often, these dui shi relationships were kept in secret, but not unheard of. For example, during the Ming Dynasty, it was quite normal for these relationships to exist in the imperial palace. There are rumors that palace maids were actually mocked if they couldn't find a partner in certain dynasties. In the Qing Dynasty, I'm not sure if the practice was as prevalent because palace maids could leave the palace at a certain age, typically between 25 and 30, while in other dynasties they could not. For these palace maids who could leave, they could marry after their time in the imperial palace. According to this drama, eunuchs had everything they wanted, namely fame and fortune. The one thing they couldn't do is have children, or have a an actual family. Jing Xi gives Su Peisheng the opportunity to fulfill his desire for a family, which is why he happily accepts her proposal. There may not be any. Sexual interaction. I I don't know, but this is as close to a family as he will get. For Jin Xi, from a traditional perspective, this is a sacrifice because she could have had the opportunity to marry a man and have children. Jin Huan states as much. From everyone's perspective, Jin Xi is making a huge sacrifice for Jin Huan because she's giving up that opportunity. She will have a relationship without the physical aspect of that relationship, which again just reiterates why Zingxi is so awesome and loyal. She is willing to give up so much for her master, one that I mean, she didn't grow up with her, so 
I'm very surprised at the lengths she's willing to go for Jin Huan. And to be honest, Su Peisheng is not bad. He's very thoughtful, he's attentive, and kind to those who treat him well. He doesn't step over people unnecessarily like some other eunuchs and maids we've seen in the palace. At least in this relationship, he will treat Jin Xi very well, and he does have money. We will discuss marriage between eunuchs and women in future episodes. Well, that's that for our discussion of episode 52 and 53. The next few episodes revolve around Jin Huan's path back to the palace. It won't be easy, but it's the path she's chosen and we are here for it. Life as a nun is boring. <laughs> yes, she found true love, but you know, we need someone to uh, go back to the palace and start fighting. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any feedback, please leave us a note on our website, chasingdramas.com. We'll see you next time.